Welcome to the Contractor's Best Friend Podcast. We're sponsored by Caterpillar and Four Construction Pros, and I'm your host, Brad Humphrey. Today, I'm joined in our podcast with three specialists, Jason Hurtis, Caterpillar's Construction Materials Quarry and Aggregate Specialist, Lonnie Fritz with Heavy Construction Road Building, and Sam Meeker, our Dozer and Track Loader Specialist, Dozer Technology. Sam, you've got the longest title, as I've said before, so we're starting with you, but let let me set you up here. Um, You know, strategy is not always a word used in construction. It is more today than ever. And what I mean by that is this. If you actually look up the word construction, you actually see the definition, one dictionary, installing materials. We're very good at the actual part, but a lot of times if contractors will take that extra time to look at the strategic behind the tactical, they become such a much more effective contractor. In this podcast today, we want to explore what is some of the total cost involved with ownership? What's the strategy for an owner? Sam, we had a great talk offline. Can you set us up and give us some ideas and maybe even some numbers that might help us in this area for contractors to get? Yeah, absolutely. When, when I think about total cost of ownership, uh, to me, it's a uh, it's a calculation that you base on uh, a couple of different things. So start with the ownership cost side of it, right? You've got your transaction price, uh, and then based on the amount of time that you're going to keep that piece of machinery, you would have a resale value at the end of that, right? So transaction price minus your, your resale value is basically going to be your ownership cost. And you can also flex that over into a lease or a rental type as well, too. Uh, but at the same time, you can still get that that hourly, monthly, yearly ownership cost. Then you've got the operating cost side of it. So when you throw in the operating cost, uh, you're going to have uh, your obviously your operator in that. You're also going to have fuel consumption. You're going to have some typically diesel exhaust fluid consumption as well, too. You've got a couple of big ones in there for maintenance and repair, right? Uh, and then you've also got uh, some ground engaging tools, maybe bucket teeth, uh, you know, uh, dozer bits, cutting edges, and also your track and or tire cost. So those would be uh, kind of what you would consider your operating cost side of it. So, you know, if you if you think about it in terms of what you might have learned in uh, in school, you've got your fixed cost, which is your ownership, and you've got your variable cost, which is going to be your operating. So, um, you know, when you put those two together, that's where you kind of get that that total cost. And customers can kind of think about maybe looking at this in, in a, a variety of aspects. Um, I, I like to do it as a uh, total cost per hour. Um when you get into a uh, production workforce, I know like uh, Hurtis, uh, you know, talks about with some of his quarry customers, they like to talk about it as a cost per ton uh, of material moved. Yeah. So, uh, so that to me is, you know, kind of that maybe a little setup for total cost of ownership and, uh, and how, a, how a contractor could do some basic calculations on their own. I love that. Jason, let me throw that to you. That was a good lead in, Sam, on that. Um, how do some of your customers, what is the impact when they're tracking, when they're looking at uh, dollars per pound moved or whatever the case may be? Well, I look at it at a cost per ton basis and it, it's what Sammy said. I mean, they look at the acquisition cost of the machine, okay. the life cycle of the machine, um, and they'll have different ownership periods for the different machines. For example, haul trucks, you know, they typically last 20, 25,000 hours. The customer knows how many hours they're running. You know, they will be eight to 10 years on a, on a different haul truck, but they'll have you know, different points where they have to do a little bit of rebuild or re-maintenance, but they'll be getting 20 plus thousand hours of frame life. So they factor that into with the wheel loader, 
um, and the other support equipment for their particular operation on the ownership side. And then obviously on the operating side, you know, they're constantly tracking, you know, operator expenses, idle time, fuel consumption, fuel efficiency, to try to maximize the operation side um, to balance, you know, some of the givens, some of the depreciation, some of the tax rules, some of the emissions requirements based on your particular fleet on the ownership side to come up with a, a total number that they can justify for their cost per ton. Gotcha. Lonnie, as you know, working with contractors out in the field and, 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 and not, not the plant guys or the, the aggregate and quarry guys, but the actual guys that are installing that material, how do they view this whole idea of ownership strategy? What would be some insights you can share with us that might help some of those that might be listening today? You're hitting right on it, Brad, because you bring in another element here. And in, in, in the construction world, we talk about three cost drivers, labor, material, and equipment. In past experience, the equipment's the toughest one to nail down on the cost because the labor, there's an hourly rate established. You're plugging that number into your estimate. The material, you're getting material quotes or you're self-performing producing that material, you're putting that number in. Now that takes me to the equipment side. And that total cost of ownership is a, a big driver because there can be up to 40% or more investment in just the fleet in just that cost component of a construction project. So when we're looking at that total cost of ownership, as Sammy well laid out here, you got the owning and the operating side. So as we take all that cost, what we're really trying to do, the goal is, is the greatest revenue return per machine life cycle. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to see what that machine is going to cost me, what those expected hours are. And when I divide that out, what I get then is the hourly cost for that machine, owning and operating, so I can recover that cost. How do I recover labor? I put it in the estimate. How do I recover material? I put it in the estimate. How do I recover my equipment cost? I better have a really sound calculation. Sam mentioned you know, 100 an hour, 125 an hour. I better know exactly what that machine is costing me so I can recover that in my estimate. And contractors across the world that I've talked to, um, they do it similarly, but differently. It depends if it's a separate entity holding that machine, if it's all the, the contractor is uh, leasing that machine out to the other arm of their business, being the construction side, if it's housed within one corporation. And there's a wide variety of reasons why a company sets that up in, in certain different ways. But at the end of the day, it comes back to tracking the cost and really understanding um, what that total cost of ownership is so it can be recovered and they can be profitable at the end of the day. We used to look at that on an annual basis. And you know, today with the data that's coming across uh, the wires into our back offices, we can look at that at least on a daily basis. Not that you're tweaking it, but um, you can keep a great pulse on what that TCO is, that total cost ownership. So you're making sure that you're, again, recouping what that machine is costing you while it's performing its work. Lonnie, let me come right back at you, and then I'll, we'll go back and work down through Jason and Sam for their commentary as well. Lonnie, let me share something with you that I've heard, and I'm, I'm telling you, tell me, tell I'm a contractor, and I, as a contractor, uh, I get into a really tight bidding situation, and if I just eliminate a little bit more money, I can go ahead and maybe win that job. How many times have I seen contractors and had contractors tell me that they oftentimes don't even put a cost for their equipment in the bid because they know that it'll increase the price of the bid. Tell me why that's wrong strategy. 
<laughs> well, I guess it depends if that machine is paid off or not. You know, what are you trying to recover? So um, in theory, it goes back to some of that amortization that putting that, um, you know, what, what does that asset cost us and have we recovered that? But you could recover the owning side if, the, if you fully own the asset, mm. what you're not recovering in that scenario, unless you have that cost somewhere else, is your operating side, undercarriage, tires, fuel, lubricants, all those operating costs. And that's why it's called operating. When the machine is operating, you're accruing, you're, those costs are, are um, increasing. They are gathering. They are costing you money to run that machine. It does not run free of charge. So therefore, if you put in your equipment, at zero cost, that money is going to be coming, has to come from some other part of that project, definitely from your company, because right. the fuel man's going to get paid, the repair is going to get paid, etc. So that is why I do not like that strategy. Now, we've, we've all pretty well heard, Brad, like yourself and myself that have been around the industry for a long time, you know, we put that bid out at 0% profit, or we cut here, we cut there, because we just want to get our people to work, or we just want to get machines out of the yard. Um, you know, what we can charge for, for labor material is better than not having any work at all. So it becomes very strategic knowing the lay of the land, knowing your competitive landscape and environment and, and what works best for your company's bottom line. Um, but again, back to the original question of not charging out for your machines, that operating cost is eating away at profit somewhere else in your organization. But Sam, Sam, I'm trying to win a job here. Every cost that is coming to me keeps going up. Gas prices, diesel prices, uh, uh, anything oil based is going up. I'm fighting every, and employees are, are leaving me for a dollar more an hour, and I'm having to pay more. Tell me why it's any, there's, and I got my equipment paid for. Why, why do I need to put that into my bid? Yeah, I mean that. Uh, you know, you you got to be a little careful with, uh, with with thinking about that. But you got to realize that everything's an asset. So, you know, that, that D5 I got, the D6, the D7, you know, that 336, every one of those pieces of equipment is an asset. Mm -hmm. So if I'm, you know, if, if I'm not considering that asset to be worth anything, then I should sell it, move it on and, and purchase another asset, right? So, you know, to me, that, that's, why, that's why it's so important to understand the, the cost of each of these pieces of equipment so that you understand uh, exactly, you know, what it is costing you and therefore how much money it's making you. Might, might be a situation where instead of using that D6 to do the job, I could get the same job done with a D5, right? You know, even a D5 maybe with technology on it or a D4 with technology on it. So the, the other thing I would kind of throw out, which, uh, you know, throwing on a little bit to both Jason and Alani's comments is, um, you know, related to the application, right? When you get into a job site, I, if I've got, you know, if I've got a D5 on a job that's uh, trimming up to the excavator, you know, the excavator is the production piece of equipment, and my D5 is, is, is basically a support piece, you know, a utility piece at that point. I may have a different cost associated and value associated with that because it is a, uh, it is a support piece. Now, flip over to the other side, right, uh, you know, on that, uh, that excavator, that 336 that's laying the pipe in there, that is my main production unit. And so, you know, the, the cost and value I associate to that machine could be more related to feet of pipe in the ground per day rather than an hourly cost. So I always like to, to kind of break them up into production versus utility or support equipment. Support equipment to me is always, uh, you know, cost per hour. Try to minimize that. Production is going to be, uh, as, as Jason had mentioned, that, that cost per ton. And you try to maximize productivity with your production side. 
Jason, let me throw this ball finally to you. Um, when you're working with your client base, and especially when they're considering the cost, we know it's a we know it we know it's a part of our our, our, our getting the jobs done. That's just how it's manpower, equipment, and materials. I get that. What is the advice that you would give an owner that stra- that maybe is struggling? with their what they really need to be focused on cost wise i mean how how i think you said i've heard you say before that you know sometimes cost equipment expenses can be 20 30 percent of a budget um how, how does that rationalize in an owner's mindset that that needs to be a very valid part of his strategy moving forward to run a successful business well i think some of it's just education brad i mean people don't know and don't understand what they don't know and don't understand I think some of it's education from the manufacturers such as Caterpillar or from the dealer to help them understand you got to plan for maintenance. You have to include the operator. You know, maybe that operator needs to be included at just an hourly rate or a fully burdened rate. Right. And then as the guys have talked about, you have to include the machine into it because it's an asset for you. And as Sam mentioned, if it's if it's an asset and you're not charging for it, you need to really look hard. Is it an asset that you really need? I mean, we've all been to quarries and you'll see there's multiple haul trucks on the road and then they got two or three trucks sitting there. Right. Why do you have two or three trucks sitting? Is it as a backup plan? Are you factoring that into your costs of that asset sitting there as a backup plan to, again, offset any production losses that you may have? If that's the case, there is a cost to that machine and a cost to the maintenance of that machine that you need to be factoring into your total cost of ownership. But I think a lot of it's education of the things that they need to be thinking about, the things that they need to be accounting for, and the things that need to be in their accounting and cost structure as well to be fully accurate and fully realize this is actually what my cost of business and my cost per hour of the different machines and different machine platforms are and what it means to my business. Guys, this has been great. This is a hard topic, and this is something that certainly the owners and senior leaders who are listening to this podcast today uh, will want to probably listen to again because it, you guys have presented some terrific uh, thought processes that they need to consider. Well, thank you, Jason and Lonnie and, and Sam. It's been a pleasure working with you. If you're listening to this and you'd like to have some more information, you certainly can uh, go to forconstructionpros.com and, and even the CAD app as well. But I would also like to thank our sponsors today, Caterpillar and forconstructionpros.com for doing this again for us to, to get this information out to you. Hey, have a great day and a very safe day. Don't want to miss a podcast? Sign up for alerts on the Contractor's Best Friend webpage on forconstructionpros.com.